Good morning, everyone. I'd like to welcome you today to this celebration of a very dear lady and of the abundant grace of Jesus Christ in the life of Ella Mae Hasek. I want to thank you this morning for coming to show your honor and your love that you had for Ella Mae as well as to offer your loving support uh, to this good, wonderful family. Your presence really does make a difference. As uh, Puritan preacher theologian John Owen, as he lay dying in August of 1683, he was dictating a letter to his secretary to send to a friend. Quote, I'm still in the land of the living. Abruptly, Owen said, he stopped. He said, wait a minute, change that and say this. I am yet in the land of the dying, but I hope to be soon in the land of the living. Isn't that the truth, huh? Isn't that the truth? This is the land of the dying. It's estimated that, oh, roughly 150,000 people die every day in the world. Uh, 8,000 die every day in America. So this is truly the land of the dying. But LMA is no longer in the land of the dying. She is most certainly in the land of the forever living. Amen. The old timers used to say that if we hope to die well someday, then we had better live well today. <laughs> Not to live well as this world defines living well, but to live well as to how God defines well. The Apostle Paul defines what living well means for the true Christian in 2 Timothy as he was awaiting execution from the Roman Emperor Nero. He wrote for, for the last time from a Roman prison to his closest companion, his spiritual son, Timothy, whom he left in uh, Ephesus as the church's pastor, as the church's shepherd there. The first four chapters, Paul instructed, encouraged uh, Timothy to boldly grow in his personal faith and to, and to show him how uh, to be empowered in his pastoral ministry. Paul then states that the time for his personal departure was near. He said, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith, and now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Paul, he informs us that if we want to make heaven our home, then we must live well. And the way he describes living well is in three parts. He says, first of all, we need to fight the good fight, we need to finish the race, and we need to keep the faith. Those three things are uh, imperative for every follower of Jesus Christ. To follow Jesus is to, first of all, fight the good fight, is to uh, enter into a very real spiritual war and engage in serious battles on three fronts primarily. We engage the enemy of our souls, the devil, who fights uh, hard to defeat us with temptations and lies and deceptions. And another front in that battle is we battle the world as it endeavors to cool off our love for God and to seduce us, to uh, seduce us, uh, our passion, uh, with, uh, to steal our passion, I should say, with money and material possessions and, and pride. And the last front is, of course, self-idolatry that all of us are tempted, uh, even Christians, to do things their own way instead of surrendering to God's way. So the good fight means 
triumphing, triumphing over every obstacle that stands between us and heaven. And really, that's what the Bible means when it talks about our labor. Our labor is to, is to fight, is to stay faithful in this fight. Then Paul says we also have to finish the race. We have to finish this race. And, and by finishing the race, it means to finish well. He tells Timothy in chapter 4, verse 8, he says to run the race of life in such a way as not to be disqualified, but to receive the prize. <laughs> Don't cheat, in other words. Don't cheat in the race. Learn to do the things that honor Jesus. Learn to pray. Learn to read God's word. Learn to love. Learn, learn to forgive. Learn to sacrifice. Learn to serve. Learn to endure and not give up. Learn to be rebuked and still, spur, and still move on. Learn to, to lean fully on Jesus for everything, for your successes as well as your failures, so you can cross the finish line in this life's race and that you've run the race, the race well. You, you grow from one to two, from two to four. That's what the Lord talks about for about running the race well. And lastly, he says, we need to keep the faith. And, and this is probably a really important part for us to really understand closely because this is so very important. Today, so many people say they believe in God and they love Jesus, but their lives and behavior show very little evidence that he really lives in them and is Lord of their lives. They act the way uh, they want instead of how Jesus wants. They, they, they practice sin clearly. Those things that God clearly has shown us in his word that have to be repented of. But, but the text clearly teaches us that the faith that Paul's talking about here are the doctrines, the laws, the commandments of God, the, the doctrines of Christ the, and obedience to those doctrines. The faith is what God has revealed to be the truth of his word and his son. And Paul knew the truth of Christ in his mind and he held on to that truth in his soul and it was seen in his obedience to that truth. My friends, that is what is meant by keeping the faith. Ella May has blessed us so greatly today by her example of living well. <laughs> she fought the good fight faithfully. She finished the race and she kept the faith. She was a student of God's word. She sought to know more of God's truth, understand it and obey it. Now there's in store for her, Paul says, the crown of righteousness, eternal life. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, today as we come together and celebrate uh, really a, a life lived well. And we thank you for Ella May's example. We thank you, Lord, for her, her devotion to your word, her devotion to Jesus Christ. We thank you for her devotion to her family in making sure Christ was exalted in their lives. And we, we thank you so much for her example to us. And now, Lord, we pray that, that uh, we know that this wasn't because of LMA, but Lord, we know this was because of Jesus Christ and the grace of God that, that caused all these wonderful things to take place in her life. And now she's enjoying eternal life, Lord. Now she's enjoying that wonderful blessing of seeing you face to face. We pray, Father, that as we, as we continue with this service, that you will speak to us, that you will encourage our hearts, that you will whisper your love and whisper, uh, Lord, your presence into our hearts, that we'll know that you are real and that, uh, you, have, that you know our names and that uh, you have a plan for our lives, too, that we, will, that we will run well, that we will fight well, that we will finish well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Pastor Tom Hartman's going to come. He's going to come and lead us in some of uh, LMA's favorite songs. 
We're going to use the uh, hymnal this morning. And one of her favorites was Holy, Holy, Holy Lord God Almighty. That's on page two. Page two. We're going to do verses one, two, and four. Thank you for taking time to be here today. Um, my name is Jeff Boyer. I'm the senior pastor at the North Webster Church of God and had the privilege to be LMA's pastor for several years when she moved to the Syracuse area. You know, at a time like this, the Word of God provides us with promise and peace and sustaining power because only the words spoken from the heart of God can meet our deepest needs and comfort our aching hearts. I'd like to share a few words of scripture with you and may they uh, strengthen you and add peace to you today. From the book of Lamentations, the Old Testament, in the third chapter, the 24th verse, the Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, the soul who seeks him. The psalmist said in the 46th Psalm, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. In the New Testament, the Gospel of John, peace I leave with you, Jesus says, my peace I give you. I do not give you, I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And then Paul says in Romans chapter eight, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, Neither height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
But there were two verses that really came to mind as I thought about LMA. One, because LMA let us know, because I read something that she had written out. And that comes from the psalmist, the 86th chapter, the 10th verse. For you, God, are great and do marvelous deeds. You alone are God. But when I thought of LMA, this is the one that came to me. From Romans, Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. That was the heart of LMA Hessig. She wanted everyone to believe in the Jesus that she did. We come grieving, but with gratitude, with hope and thanksgiving, that we were able to know such a wonderful woman and the way that our lives haven't been impacted because she was a part of it. We've come as the scriptures command us to rejoice with those who rejoice and to grieve with those who grieve. And so today, family, as we remember, as we reflect, as we rejoice, as we laugh, and yet we cry and we celebrate and we grieve together, let us do so and let us run to the unfailing, everlasting arms of God, and let us keep our eyes upon Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter of our faith. Pastor Tom's going to come lead us in another uh, great hymn that I know LMA would hold tight, How Great Thou Art. Why don't you, if you're able, why don't you stand with us for this song? It'll be on page 33, verses 1 and 3. God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made, I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed, then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. And when I think that God his Son not sparing sent him to die, I scarce can take it in that on the cross my burden gladly bearing he bled and died to take away my sin. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art.
I typically wouldn't say this, but I believe I can speak for all of us that have gathered here today when I say it's an honor and privilege to have known Ella Mae Hessig. Would you agree? Probably each of us have a story, a fond memory, indelibly etched into our minds that's associated with Ella Mae. I had the opportunity to sit down with LMA's children, their spouses, and they shared some of their memories and their kids' memories with me about their mom and their grandma. I thought it might be good for us to remember together. As I listened, they described LMA with these words, hardworking. LMA received a bachelor degree and went on to obtain a master's of science degree. 49 years she worked and served in her community, 27 years as a special education teacher. She was tough, that was another word they used. I said, what do you mean by tough? They said, well, a special education teacher, you have to be tough, I agree. But she had high expectations. Daryl remembers the time that he had all A's and B's, but LMA pulled him aside and told him that he could have all A's if he would just apply himself some more. Why don't you apply yourself some more, Daryl? His answer to his mother, I just want to have fun. I guess LMA received Daryl's answer, figured the straight A's would have to come from Dave and Karen. And they did. LMA was very competitive. Sunday afternoons at the Hessick home, uh, you, weren't, you weren't able to watch television. Uh, you weren't able to work. But it was family time. And a lot of times they'd play games. I said, well, did LMA enjoy that? Oh, yeah, she wanted to win. I said, did she ever cheat? No, mom never cheated. But if something might work toward her advantage, well. She was a cheerleader. Uh, Logan, her grandson, said grandma was the loudest cheerleader at our sports events. That can be good and bad, right, Logan? I mean, in some ways. She had a boldness about her, though, did she not? LMA was bold in a lot of ways. She was bold in her generosity and her time and her talents and her finances. She was a giver. If uh, she saw a need and could help, she helped. Um, one of LMA's older sister saints in our church um, was blessed by LMA's generosity. She would buy rolls of postage stamps so that this other sister could send out encouraging cards, of which many times I am a recipient of one of those cards. Um, I would say probably two of the biggest prayer warriors in our church and one we just lost. We didn't lose her. We know where she's at, right? She's, she's simply just not present with us. Another word was stubborn. I said, all right, unpack that. Karen and Daryl quickly added that Dave is most like mom. <laughs> LMA would finally say, say when they would get into it between her and Dave, Dave wins because I have to stop and pray about it. <laughs> wow. Stubborn, there's the other word, bold. She's bold in her faith, in her convictions, in her opinions, yes. Sometimes the family said, too bold. <laughs> But you knew where she stood. And here's what I've concluded. In a world where integrity and character and values often come up missing or short, Ella May wasn't afraid to take a stand for what she believed to be right. And yet, regardless of another's differing opinions, she always treated others still with respect. You know, sometimes such adjectives or characteristics of a person, like stubborn or bold, might appear at first blush to come across as something bad or negative. But LMA's stubbornness or boldness, or even if you said stubborn boldness, we might want to take note of. It's for these qualities, purposed for her love for Christ and others, that we admire the most. Because with that boldness, she led a neighbor man to the Lord within the past few months while taking out the trash. Bold. 
or simply obedient. One of the ladies of our worship team back home at our church, a neighbor to LMA, commented just, just last week backstage to me, she made it a point to know everyone who lived or moved into our neighborhood. She would extend to them a Bible and an invitation to come to church, bold or simply obedient. In the assisted living and rehab facility, LMA was always looking for opportunities to share Jesus with the nurses or the doctors, bold or simply obedient. Some did you knows about LMA. LMA hated cooking. <laughs> I was shocked by that one, actually. And yet, Lene remembers the family dinners after Sunday services. The glazed ham, the scalloped potatoes, the dinner rolls, the sweet corn. Always the same because my brother Logan was a picky eater, <laughs> licking butter off the corn. LMA's favorite hobbies were memorizing scripture, praying, babysitting her grands, and publishing a family newsletter. But you had to be careful what you told mom or grandma, because it might get published. <laughs> Karen commented, Mom, you can't put that in there. LMA's response, you got to give me something. <laughs> Valerie remembered grandma incentivizing her to memorize scripture. And if she achieved her goal, she would get to go to Splash Universe. <laughs> Lene remembers babysitting grandma, or not babysitting grandma, <laughs> the babysitting grandma who never hesitated to take us out on trips to the park, to the library, or even McDonald's. Although McDonald's visits were put on a hiatus when Logan and Lene climbed to the top of McDonald's playhouse, waved at Grandma, and then refused to come back down. <laughs> what is LMA to do? Grandma was not too pleased with you guys. Lene shared a favorite childhood memory, was climbing onto her grandmother's lap and begging her to tell her a story. Often LMA would tell Bible stories, but her most beloved were the stories Grandma told of Brownie the dog and Snowflake the cat. According to her granddaughter, Ella May believed that duct tape and Vicks vapor rub solved most all of life's problems and ailments. I don't think she was too far off by that. My understanding from the boys was Ella May didn't often lock her vehicle or her house. Someone steals something, they must need it more than I do. Well, Mom, you've got to lock your house. What if they come in to harm you? The Lord will protect me. Was her statement. And yet, in the very next sentence, we talked about something else that was interesting to me. LMA was a strong proponent of those car deer whistles. Do you know what I'm talking about? The deer whistles you would mount on the grill of your car to deter or scare deer away from running into the, the roadway? You wouldn't lock your house, but you wear deer whistles. Where's the Lord protecting you there, LMA? I, I wish I could ask her that question. You talked about family vacations were typically spent driving in a car to go visit extended family, whether that be in Pennsylvania, Texas, Minnesota, or Montana, and camping in a tent, not in a hotel. And you always had to find a church, no matter where you were, and you had to attend Sunday morning service and Sunday school, even though you didn't know anybody. You talked about packed Cook, mom would always packed cooked ham and cheese sandwiches with butter. You didn't put mayonnaise on it because the mayonnaise would spoil. Daryl said, to this day, I hate ham and cheese sandwiches. <laughs> but let me, let me rush to finish. But the words or phrases I heard used most often by her family to describe Ella May Hessig were these, faithful servant, Sunday school teacher, Bible school teacher, missionary president, she led a Bible study at one of our local nursing homes for five years and did it joyfully. Prayer warrior. Ella May kept two pages 
y'all, listen, front and back of prayer requests of family, of friends, neighbors, churches, this church, our church, pastors, these pastors, our pastors, missionaries, government, countries. Um, I got tears in my eyes when I looked at this and I'm like, oh my goodness. Let me just share a couple things out of those pages. Here's what Ella May wrote. Show me, she's talking to God now, show me how to pray for each person on my lists and any others you show me that I should pray for. I ask your Holy Spirit to guide me and show me how I should pray for each one. And then on the very last page, at the end of her list, in the little body part of the corner, it says this. God, I pray for everyone trying to share Jesus with those who don't yet know him. The Holy Spirit will draw them to repent and accept Jesus as her Savior. Ellen May was a prayer warrior. She sent a text message out without fail every day, 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. I thought it was mostly just family. I found out yesterday as I spent time with some of our um, seasoned adults at our church that they also received some of these text messages. And it would always have a scripture verse, and then it would have a hymn title with the lyrics, and then it would have a prayer. And then especially to the family, it would say something like this, and this is from one of the many. Good night. After talking with God, may you sleep with peace. Is there anything you want me to pray about? Always remember that God loves you, and I love you. And then in those emoji, well, not just one, but two or three or four, because one emoji would never be enough with LMA. I think she figured out what those were. But the last word I share with you was family. Your mom, your grandma, your sister, she loved you. Take note. Hold tight to the love LMA shared with each one of you. Thank God for such an awesome woman. I've done this for a few years now. And I've watched many families in a situation like this. Many people live an entire lifetime. They'll never experience the pain you feel today. They can only dream of the bond and love that you shared with your mom and grandma. It's a deep pain, yeah, but it's a good pain. It's a pain that reminds you how much you were loved and how much you loved. So cherish that love. It's a gift from God. I can close with this. Allow me to end my remarks with a poem that was written by Rhoda Jones Speakman to honor Ella May's mother, which the family agreed seems so fitting at this funeral service to honor Ella May now. It's entitled, She Worked the Hardest on Her Knees, and it's all about the prayer warrior that she was. Let us stop and just recall how mom gave herself for all. Sometimes she kept us from a fall while she worked the hardest on her knees. If for children she was guard or growing flowers in the yard, always pushing, work hard, yet she worked the hardest on her knees. Hoe in hand, outside she'd go, and it's certain we would know that hoeing be done row by row, yet she worked the hardest on her knees. Canning, freezing to be done, help was needed from everyone. Hard work and not a lot of fun, but she worked the hardest on her knees. Prayer for family and for friends, even if her heart would we'd rend, the balm of Gilead seemed to mend, and she worked the hardest on her knees. Children married, moved away. Still on her heart, we'd stay. She'd lift us up in prayer each day, 
and worked the hardest on her knees. The time came when her knees no longer to bend. Would prayer to God come to an end? No longer petitions heavenward send. No longer she work hardest on her knees. But if the spiritual heart has knees, she found she still could bend on these. Petition and praise, these were the keys. Still she worked the hardest on her knees. She wasn't perfect, we surely know. But Christ her Savior, her inner glow. And he, the perfect one, did show as she worked the hardest on her knees. Her shoulders were bent with prayer and care. Still she left a challenge for us now to share. Will we that prayer burden also bear? And we work hardest on our knees. Last scripture. This one I know LMA believed wholeheartedly in. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that has worked within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. At this time, LMA's sister, Mary, she's going to stay seated because she's got a lot of pain in the back, I think, but she wants to say a few words. Rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's Philippians 4, 4 to 7. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Psalm 34, 18. I can't talk about LMA without talking about the Lord. The Apostle Paul in the Philippians tells us that the greatest desire was to know Christ, really know Christ, not about him. I mean, everyone has knows a lot about him, at least we've heard. But how many of us really know him? Know him. Now, does he know us? He, he knows us, but does he know us? And that's only by our spending time with him. Uh, the, he wanted to know the power, the growing relationship with him. And to know the power of his resurrection working in him. His purpose in life was living for Jesus and telling others. He wrote, for me to live is Christ. To die is gain. 
That was Ella May's life. That was her goal in life, was to tell others about Jesus. That was Ella May's purpose. Ella May and I often talked about Christ Jesus and what he did for us by dying on the cross for our sins and how he continued working in our lives. Ella May accepted Jesus as her personal savior and surrendered her life completely, completely to the Lord. It was, it was not Ella May working. Yes, she, volunte I mean, she volunteered, but it was God working in and through Ella May. Was LMA perfect? No. Are you perfect? Am I perfect? No. But Jesus Christ is. And he's the only one that can make us to be what is pleasing to God. And he will do it if we surrender to him. We all have sinned against God. We need his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness, his cleansing, and the filling of the Holy Spirit in our lives to live for Jesus. We were a family of 10 children. There were six boys, then three girls, and then our prized brother, Dave. We were raised hearing the word of God, read at the home and in church. We were taught to work hard from a very early age. There were good times as well as hard times. We were thankful for hand-me-down clothes and ate what we raised on the farm. We never went hungry unless we complained about the food. If we complained, we could wait till the next meal. There were fun times. Often on Sunday afternoon was our playtime. And just like you all, with LMA, set aside that time for a special playtime. And I know Mother would be out playing either some type of softball or, or if it was bad out, raining outside, we played table games. But it was a very special time of the week. And LMA was usually right in with the group unless she had disappeared and we always knew where to go get her. She was upstairs in her bedroom reading a book. Ella loved reading books. Now, my family left the States in 1964 for Costa Rica to learn Spanish, and then on to Colombia and Ecuador as missionaries. Therefore, we spent very little time in the States with my family. Uh, but when we came back to the States on our furlough year, we stayed with LMA and Roger and their family. They took us in. And one time they were, had their own uh, mobile home in the backyard. And they moved out of their mobile home so we could move in and took over their mobile home. And times after that, any time we were in the States, their home was our home. And Roger and LMA did so much for us. And they prayed for us, and they were with us. They supported us. And our son, Phil, when he was attending Bible school at Fort Wayne, he spent some time staying with LMA and Roger and the family. Uh, Mom started working away from home 
uh, and cooking at, a ho at the Decatur Hospital. And then she got a job at the restaurant because she would not have to cook on Sundays. And she wanted to be able to go to church with our family. Well, when mom started to work away from home, things changed at home. I, being the elder sister, was given the responsibility of the housework and the cooking and looking after my two sisters and brother Dave. And, um, you know, have you experienced taking orders from a sibling, an older sibling? It doesn't go too good a lot of the times. Well, you're not my mom. But, and they were, I would send Arlene and Ella May. They were only 13 months apart, almost twins. <laughs> anyway, I would send them upstairs to clean the upstairs while I was working downstairs and getting the meals. And they would play up there or they would fight. And um, they would come downstairs and they had not cleaned. And so I would send them back up again and I locked the door. I would lock them upstairs and they couldn't come down until they had finished the work up there, unless they had to use the toilet because the restroom was downstairs. And Elamate loved to remind me of that. <laughs> Later on in years, remember, Mary, when you used to lock us up doors? Yes. <laughs> but then... I need to change pages here. Roles changed. I admired the boldness and strength of Ella May. She didn't seem to be afraid of anything, and I was scared of my own shadow. And I looked to Ella May for strength. And in, um, I was in high school, got my driver's license, and I wanted to go to a, a missionary conference in Winona Lake. And I was scared to go alone. I went to LMA. I said, LMA, please ask mom and dad, get the permission, go with me to Winona Lake to the missionary conference. So, oh, sure, she did it. No qualms about it. And we went. We fixed some um, sandwiches to take with us. We didn't have money um, to buy food. We didn't have money for lodging. And so we got there, and I parked way out from the building, so hopefully no one would see us sleeping in the car. We were there three or four days, and God blessed us so much. And on our way back home, Elma and I couldn't stop talking about the challenge that we had received to share the gospel of Jesus with other people. And that made a big influence on LMA's life as well as my own. And um, LMA continued to help me in so many ways and seemingly enjoyed. Um, oh, she was all the time saying that she and I were two peas in the same pot. If she had something, I had to have had it. Or I had it at the same time. And as it was mentioned, she sent out this letter, family letter. And so often I would read, Mary's in awful pain. Mary's got this and Mary's got that. And I knew that I had not told her that. But I knew that Ella May was suffering. Yes, I had pain too, but I had not told her what was going on with me. 
But she just identified the two of us so much together. As has been mentioned about LMA being a prayer warrior, when our mother died or went to be with Jesus in 1984, LMA felt the burden to pray. Mom was a prayer warrior. And LMA said, I just feel God's calling me to fill in that spot, to pray. And LMA prayed. She would pray two or three hours a day. She called. We talked on the phone many, many times. She would be praying for my family. Now, Mary, what's going on today with your family? Do, well, how are you feeling? And we would pray together. But she always prayed. And as I think of LMA and all those prayers, who, who among us is going to take the responsibility to pray? Who is God calling today? I mean today, right now in this group, who is going to start praying? For our family members, not only for the Speakman generation and all those, but everyone in this church, who is praying for your family? Who are, who's praying for your neighbors? Who's praying for those who are lost without Christ? Um, as I said, Ellen may pray for everyone in our family. I did not see her prayer, I mean, the list... I mean, I've seen her prayer list. She had them in her, in her living room. She had them in her bedroom. She had it in her bathroom. She had it in the car. Wherever she was, she would pick up her list. Every time I was with her or when she came down to visit, she would always had her prayer list. I don't know how many names she had on that. But just this last couple days, I and Becky helped organize it, but I collected the names of just our family, there's 220 names of our family. And at that time, there's several of those have already gone to meet the Lord. So it was even more than that, that LMA prayed for every single day. Is God calling you to be a prayer warrior? Can you pray on your way to work? wherever? Are you open? Are we willing to let God call us? Now, it wasn't, L yes, it was LMA in surrender to God, but it wasn't LMA strength that made her a prayer warrior. It was God working in her and through her. And LMA was no different than you and I. God can lay that burden on our hearts. If we're open and receive God's call upon us. But we need prayer. Every last one of us and our children, our grandchildren need prayer. Our co-workers need prayer. God gave LMA such a compassion for people. And not only by word, but by uh, example. And... Um, in the nursing home uh, uh, where they were living, she went around. She had a Bible study there. 
And not only that, she would go before the Bible study, she would go from room to room. May I pray for you? May I pray for you? A lot of the people there said, yes. While other people said, no, I don't want your prayer. She says, okay, I'll pray for you anyway. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> and um, there was one particular lady there that she had talked with over and over. And this lady wanted to talk. She would ask a lot of questions. And she was a hard case. At the beginning, she had said, no, no prayer for me. But then she softened up and began to talk to Ella May and ask questions. And Ella May carried her in her heart for a long time, burdened. And she began to soften and soften. I don't know the end result if that lady ever turned to Christ, but she certainly heard the plan of salvation. Another real deep concern that Ella May had was your spiritual walk, your daily walk with Jesus. And I know, I know she carried such a burden for you, her children. And there were times she was so burdened. God, bring them to a closer walk with you. God, that their life will really be close to you. You know who you are. In my prayer, I join you. I join LMA. Praying. Your hearts will be softened toward God. You will actually draw close to him. Surrender. It's horrible to try to live a double life. Half in and half out. It doesn't work. It's miserable. But if you want real joy, real joy, surrender all to Jesus. And you will never, never regret it. Never. And LMA carried such a burden for everyone, every one of you. She loved you so much. And she would call, and we'd cry together, pray together, asking Jesus, the Holy Spirit, to speak. And that's my prayer today. Um, it is God that works in us. Philippians 1, 6, and, and also 2, 13. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will, perform, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And in 2.13 it says, For it is God who works in you to will and to do of his, or this is a different translation, to fulfill his good purpose. We are God's masterpiece who has created us, created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he has planned for us from long ago. Ephesians 2.16, it is not that we think we are qualified to do anything of our own. Our qualification comes from God. For every one of us, it doesn't matter what you're doing in life, we must receive from God. Um, a couple months ago, my asthma had really stirred up, and I wasn't able to talk. 
And um, we hit, as I said, LMA and I usually talk most every day. But there was a period of time I wasn't able to, but LMA would call me. Now she'd say, Mary, don't you talk. You just listen. And she would pray for me. And then uh, it had been in several days. And finally this one day, I'm going to call, I'm going to talk to Ella May. I missed that. And I didn't know what was going on with Ella May. But I called her. She took a, answered the phone. And I said, I'm alive. I'm alive. Ella May didn't say anything. Ella May, Ella May, I'm alive. I'm alive. Nothing. I know she picked up. Finally, after I said it three or four times, Ellen, oh, Mary, you have no idea. I just prayed that God would take you home. <laughs> I said, Ellen, I'm alive. <laughs> And, and not only had she prayed that God would take me home, she was planning my funeral. <laughs> she wondered where it was going to be and how she would get there, and, and she went into detail. <laughs> we both laughed after that, but I said, I am alive. She beat me there. <laughs> But that was her prayer concerned. And that um, we don't understand a lot of things, but God understands everything, everything about it. And um, let's see. Oh, and Elamay was so concerned that God had not healed me. Oh, she prayed and prayed and prayed. God, I don't understand why you're not healing Mary. And why you're not answering prayer? And I would reassure Elame, God's answering your prayer every single day. But how? God has given me his sustaining grace. God carries me through every single day. God is answering your prayer. I could not take the pain. I could not go through this if it wasn't for God with me and helping me every day. And he does, he carries me. And I can no longer take a step, he carries me through every day. And every day is a new day, his mercies and grace is new. But we have to appropriate them. We have to draw on him for what we need that day. But oh, he's faithful. He never, never fails, never. Not one time. And he never will. Okay. Just a couple hours before Ella Mae went home to be with Jesus, I called her. And I asked if anyone had been with her from the family that day. And she said, not yet. Daryl's coming right after work tonight. And her voice was very weak. And she was having a hard time breathing. And she's, Mary, I know what it's like to, to, to try to talk when, 
when you can't get your breath, because she knew I had to have that. I said, yes, LMA. And so she talked just a little bit. And then I said, LMA, how are you feeling? She said, oh, Mary, I don't feel good. And LMA, are you any better? Any better at all? No, Mary, I don't feel any better. Well, I quickly switched the subject from our health to Jesus. LMA's voice just brightened up, just picked up. She was happy talking about Jesus. And it gave her that extra strength. And she talked and talked. And I, there was a lot of it I could not understand what she was saying. But I knew she was talking about Jesus. And then I realized all of a sudden, she's repeating something. And the sound at the end, she's asking me a question. Oh, what is she asking? And I said one time, LMA, what was that? She repeated, but I still did not understand. And I thought, Lord, how do I answer? And she's talking about, we're talking about Jesus. I'm just going to say yes. And she was happy with that answer. <laughs> oh, she really brightened up and just talked and kept on talking for some time. And I listened. I didn't understand a lot, but I knew Jesus was there. And then there was a law. And I knew LMA was so tired. And I couldn't take much more at the phone either. But I said, finally, LMA, I called. I just wanted to hear your voice. I wanted to tell you I love you. Goodbye. And LMA said, I love you, Mary. Goodbye. And then as soon as she said goodbye, oh, Mary, I love you. I, I just love you so much. I just love you. Goodbye. And, of course, I had to respond, Elmay, I love you. And I, I just, I love you. And I said goodbye. And Elmay, Mary, I love you. I, I love you. We did that five or six times. I have never felt such love coming. I felt it all over me. And I hung up. I just sat there. It was so El May was saying, Mary, I love you. And with the repeat so many times, I thought of the family. That I love you wasn't only for Mary. It was for every one of you. And for the people of this church, her friends, at both churches and the nursing home, she was wanting everyone to know, oh, I love you. I love you so much. And I felt that message came through LMA's voice. But really, that message came directly from Jesus. Through LMA to every individual here in this congregation. 
to many, many other people. We have no idea who they are or where they are. But there was that love. Jesus is saying, I love you. I love you. I really love you. Will you come meet me? Will you meet me in heaven at our reunion? Oh, what a reunion they're having. And when I walked in the door here yesterday, and I saw the families there, I just, oh, what a reunion. What a reunion to see my family here, but oh, the reunion that Ella May's enjoying in heaven with Jesus and all the countless family members and friends and people that she no doubt has won to the Lord or God used her. And I feel out me saying, meet me there. Meet me here, I mean. Meet me in heaven, I'm waiting for you. I want you at our reunion. And listen, if there's anyone, anyone here today, God is speaking to your heart. Answer him whatever it is, in whatever way. If he's saying, surrender your life to me, do it. If he's saying, will you be a prayer warrior? Will you allow me to work through you to pray? Say yes. Say yes to Jesus. Whatever it is, you'll never regret it. Oh, there's no way to live except for Jesus. And he just blesses you and blesses you and just keeps on blessing you. Praise the Lord. Praise God our Savior for each day he carries us in his arms. Psalm 68, 19. You'll never have to walk alone. Never. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, our Savior, for each day he carries us in his arms. And you know those arms are strong. They're not going to drop us. He carries us through. Psalm 68:19. Thank you. I'm glad that his arms are strong because mine are wore out. <laughs> Let's turn to page 85. This awesome hymn, Amazing Grace. Let's stand, please. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see. Was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How pray! 
precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed the Lord has promised good to me his word my hope secures he will my shield and portion be as long as life endures through many dangers toils and snares I have already come tis grace hath brought me safe thus far and grace will lead me home when we've been there ten thousand years bright shining as the sun we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we'd first begun. You may be seated. Hey, I want to share with you just a few moments, and uh, um, we're going to look at a portion of Scripture. And again, we won't keep you very long here. In John chapter 14, verses 1, 1 to 6, Jesus, he says, let not your heart be troubled. Uh, you believe in God, but believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many rooms, and if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, and that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. And then Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and so how can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And after three and a half years of ministry, the time had come for Jesus. He knew when it was time for him to fulfill the reason for which he had been born in Bethlehem so many years earlier. It was time to sacrifice himself upon a cross for your sins, for my sins, the sins of all the world. And he had just informed his disciples in the previous chapter, they were at the Last Supper, he had just informed them there that uh, one of them was going to betray him. And then he also uh, told the main disciple, Peter, that you're going to deny me and that Jesus was going to be killed. And so it was not a very exciting time for the disciples. They were down. They were depressed. They were discouraged. And so that's the context that Jesus gives us in this scripture in John chapter 14. He was trying to encourage his disciples not to be, don't let your hearts be troubled. Jesus said, don't be sad, for I'm going away to prepare an eternal place, especially for you. But if I go away, I'll come back for you, and you know the way to where I'm going. And of course, Thomas, he said, hmm, we don't know the way. Then Jesus said something remarkable. 
something remarkable that impacted these discouraged Jewish men. They'd all been raised in synagogue school, so they, they knew exactly what he was getting, what he, when he said it, they understood what he was saying. These guys knew how God had revealed himself in the Old Testament through the tabernacle, uh, through the temple. You know, they understood that those, those buildings, those facilities, they were meant by God to uh, reveal himself to the Jewish people. And inside the temple, uh, also, the tab- tab- also the tabernacle, there was a special room called the Holy of Holies. It was what housed, you know, the, the Ark of the Covenant there, that special piece of furniture where God, God's presence was. And um, again, the temple you know, was where this awesome presence of God dwelt, but it was partitioned off. And people were not allowed to enter into God's holy presence because of their wickedness and sin. Rabbinical tradition informs us that the courtyard that surrounded the the fence, the fencing, if you will, that surrounded the tabernacle or the temple, there was a single gate that entered into that courtyard, and they had named that gate the way. That led into the courtyard. And then there was another door called the truth, that actually was the door that led into the temple or led into the tab- tabernacle. And lastly, there was another entryway into the Holy of Holies where the awesome presence of God was and that curtain or that entryway was called the life. So Jesus said to them, guys, I am the way. <laughs> I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to me No one comes to the Father, I should say, except through me. You can face the uncertainty of the end of your life with confidence when you fully trust in Jesus as the only way, as the Son of God, as to be your Savior, to forgive your sins, and make you God's new born-again child. You might be thinking, and maybe you know these things very well now, but maybe you don't. Why do we need a Savior? Well... The Bible tells us that God created the, the earth many, many years ago. He's the creator. He is the creator. He created all things, good and wonderful, but mankind rebelled against him. Our parents rebelled against him and brought the curse of sin and death into this world. And God revealed his holiness and his moral law to us through the Ten Commandments. And then we discover that we are all rebels from birth because of that law. That law reveals to us that we don't love God, that we are lawbreakers. The, the creator is, first of all, he's not number one in our life. We, we love other things more than him. We all have misused his name. We've all dishonored our parents. We've all uh, stolen something sometime in our life. We, we've all committed sexual sin in some way, some manner. We've all hated in, in to some fashion, and we've all lied. So we are lawbreakers. We're all guilty. We're breakers of God's law. And he gave us that law so that it would reveal to us that we were lawbreakers. And that even when we try to do what's right, a lot of times we don't. And it shows us that we need a Savior. So he provided in the Old Testament over 300 prophecies in the Bible predicting the coming of, this, the, of, the, of the Messiah, of a Savior. Because we are lawbreakers and we are sinners. And we face the wrath of God. That's what the Bible says. The, all we have to expect uh, without a Savior is facing the wrath of God and the judgment of God. We'll all stand before God someday. 
Eternal death is our, is our destiny. But the Bible says God so loved us that he sent the Messiah, that he sent Jesus to die for us, for each one of us. And if you will repent of your sins, loved ones, and decide to be done living a life of disobedience to God, it's called repentance, and believe in what Jesus did. And again, understanding that you deserve God's wrath, but Jesus took your place on the cross to provide the forgiveness of your sins. And then Jesus rose again to, to guarantee that you will have eternal life and the promise of heaven if you'll believe that. If you truly believe that in your soul, you will encounter the real presence of God. He's real. You will encounter him. I promise you. Call upon him in prayer. He will hear you and he'll make your life brand new. He'll transform you from the inside out. You know, actually, Jesus isn't the best answer to life. He's the only answer to life. All of us have four basic questions that we need to answer in our life. Where did I come from? <laughs> what gives my life meaning and significance? How do I know what's right and wrong? What happens when I die? And if you honestly check out Jesus, you'll find out that he is the only true answerer to those questions of your life. And I hope that you will pursue him if you don't know him. And if you do know him, I hope you'll still continue to pursue him and get to know him better. But if you don't know him, I hope that you, you will consider him by beginning to read the Bible, by attending a good Bible-believing church someplace, and just begin to open your heart to God. What he's made so plain to us through his word. And again, if you already know him, I want to encourage you to continue the journey and growing and discovering the wonder of who he is and until it's time for you truly also to just like LMA to truly go home. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, you told us that heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. Lord, we want to be ready for that place that you have prepared for us. Jesus, we acknowledge today that you are the way, you are the truth, you are the life, the only connection to, to God the Father. Lord, we understand that this preparation for heaven is, is not accomplished the way, well, our Amish friends around here are attempting to do by doing good works and achievements in order to try and verify their worthiness to God, Lord. And they are not the only ones who try to do that, Father. Many of us try to do that, to try to make ourselves better, to make ourselves worthy of heaven. But Lord, you've shown us that heaven is a place for redeemed sinners. It's a place for people who can get there on their own, who can't get there on their own merits, Lord, but, or on their own good deeds or achievements, but only by believing on the grounds that, God, you loved us in order to make a way for us into heaven through your son, Jesus. So but we ask you today that you will reveal yourself to our hearts and that you will comfort us in the days ahead and that the life of LMA, Lord, will continue to be a bright light pointing other people to our living hope, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for the meal today we're going to have. We, we thank you for the, the blessing of food and the blessing of what it, what it helps us to do as we do it together, how we fellowship and how we comfort one another. We pray your spirit will 
be in our midst as we enjoy each other's company today. And Lord, we pray that uh, the special comfort of your spirit will speak to us in the days ahead as our hearts grieve. And may we speak of LMA often. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Pastor Tom is going to come and lead us in one more song. Then Pastor Jeff will close. We're going to turn to page 283. 283. Would you stand as we sing this song of celebration for a life well lived? There is coming a day when no heartache shall come, no more clouds in the sky, no more tears to dim the eye. All is peace forevermore on that happy golden shore. What a day, glorious day that will be. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. And when I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. When he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land. What a day, glorious day that will be. There'll be no sorrow there, no more burdens to bear, no more sickness, no pain, no more parting over there, and forever I will be with the one who died for me. What a day, glorious day that will be. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. When he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land. What a day, glorious day that will be. Let's pray. God, it is good to be together with the church. Brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, we've gathered here now, God, to grieve, but also to rejoice. And Ella May Hessig, Lord, who has heard those words, good and faithful servant, well done. And so, God, today we thank you for her legacy, her influence upon her family, her friends, and even people who met her, God. We thank you for her. But even more today, God, we thank you for Jesus Christ, who gives us eternal life. It's in his strong name that we thank and give praise. And God's people said, amen. Amen. amen.